On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. everybody. Welcome to Audio Judo, uh, a very uh, exciting, I'll probably say that a lot, mundane <laughs> episode a completely of... completely normal uh, and mundane episode of Audio, Audio Judo. Judo. We're very excited to bring you this one. Uh, this is going to be probably move pretty quick as far as uh, bands and songs. We're going to reference a whole bunch of material. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, tons of stuff to talk about. Probably not get into too much depth about any one particular thing, but we will touch on a, a bunch of different items from a certain period of time. So uh, listen to it in your uh, free time when you're going for a run or, or driving or uh, whatever it is that you might be doing while you're listening to music. You know, whenever. Yeah, whenever. So this, th- this week we're talking about the night that hair metal died. That is right. Hair metal, as it were. And this is a... Uh, so... Uh, I, uh, I looked up hair metal and I was only able to find a uh, very specific references of it. Um, there's an XM station called hair nation. Mm-hmm. Um, but more specifically this genre of music that we were talking about is, uh, referred to as glam rock, right? Glam metal and glam rock has its origins in the early seventies, uh, with bands like, uh, the New York dolls, mm-hmm. MC five, David, Bowie. David Bowie. Mm-hmm. And Bowie. stuff like that. And it wasn't until the 80s that this style specifically really rose to prominence. Uh, bands like this early 80s, bands like Quiet Riot, Def Leppard, Scorpions, Dokken, even Van Halen to some degree. A little bit. When they were, especially when they were playing Whiskey Go-Go and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That uh, they would give rise to real true hair metal bands. Uh, bands like uh, Bon Jovi, White Snake, Motley Crue, Twisted Sister, Twisted Sister, Poison, Warrant, Winger, Great White, Winger, White Line. I don't know why there were so many bands that had White, White in the title of the band, but whatever. And uh, less so, um, like Guns N' Roses, which actually seemed to be more like the beginning of the end. Yeah, of that. So, uh, so. I kind of like to reference everything uh, uh, on my particular journey. So uh, this was a very interesting time uh, in my specific musical trip. So this would have been, this probably would have been around 88-ish to 91-ish is the gap that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, Give or take. So I was playing in a couple of different bands back then. Um, I was playing in a band called After Image, which focused on harder rock stuff like... uh, Deep Purple, Free, like All Right Now, the song All, all Right Now, uh, Zeppelin, Nugent, Cat Scratch Fever, uh, stuff like that. And then I was in another band um, called Legend of Rupert. Ooh. Yeah, right. Well, which focused on The Cure 
REM, Chili Peppers, uh, the the things more of an alternative nature, right? So I was in uh, two very different head spaces. Yeah, it sounds like it. Because I was listening to some of that and then this alternative uh, part as well. So let's run down glamour. Glam rock or hair metal, uh, if you will, is defined by what? So let's run it down. Spectacle, I think, is the one word summary. Sure. So it's it's all about it's not necessarily about the, the best music. It's not necessarily about the best uh you know per, uh musical performance. Mm-hmm. It's about having a huge spectacle, having, you know, fireworks and pyrotechnics. And you know, the reason it's called hair metal is because everybody had big hair, you know, and the guys all wore makeup and they sang about, you know sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's right. what they were. That's what it was about. Debauchery. Debauchery is a perfect word for it. So this is, I had written down a uh, big hair, obviously spandex. Oh, I forgot about spandex. To some degree, uh, makeup, not all of them, but some of them and almost, uh, an inability sometimes to distinguish guy from girl. Yes. Uh, Androgyny. I'm reminded very specifically of the cover of look what the cat dragged in by poison. When the first time I saw it and went, oh, she's pretty. And that's Ricky Rocket. That's the drummer <laughs> from Poison. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. So big guitars, right? Big ballads. Yes. Songs that focused almost exclusively on lust, love, and chicks. To At me, least anyway. all the hits. And to me, that was the most common thread was women, which is why we referred to it back then as get it music, Ooh, quote unquote, get it, get it music. The videos were defined by chicks either flashing their boobs or uh, swooning for their man, whatever, you know, because sweet child of mine, that video is like they're all just kind of walking around. I think the uh, the warrant video for cherry pie. Mm. I know people who consider losing their who consider watching that video the moment they lost their virginity. Ah, <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. that makes sense. It's uh, it's fantastic. So uh, the omnipresent White Snake videos with Tawny Katane oh, yeah. frolicking about on David Coverdale's car were the basis for many other followers. That was that was that that time, right? So this kind of music appealed to me. In a very 16, 17-year-old boy mentality. I can't tell right? why, but please continue. Hormonal. Oh, okay, there we go. About chicks. Big and bombasty. Pretty easy to play and learn. So so I dabbled in it. You know, I liked some of it. I hated others. It was on the radio a lot. And MTV, back when it was music television and focused on music, instead of the real world, played these videos a lot. There was even a, a one-night show every weekend called Headbangers Ball. Yeah. That uh, exclusively covered this particular genre. It was hosted by uh, Ricky Rockman, who famously was pissed at Metallica when they cut their hair. Uh, <laughs> true story. He was pissed. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the reason that hair metal did so well though right is because it was 
the music that grew up with MTV. Very much so. I mean, it was, they saw, you know, hair metal was just coming around. MTV started in what, 1981? 81, 82. Yeah. So it was 81. It, hair metal is just starting to, to kind of rise at that point, And they see this new music television starting and they're like, we got to make fucking videos. That's the next over the top thing is we have to make huge music videos. We mm-hmm. got to make these big decadent music videos that are all about, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, same as the rest of hair metal. Right. And I think that's, that was what led to its huge pop explosion is that so many of the hair metal bands adopted music videos early and often. Every album had two or three music videos that they were at making least. off of it, at least. Yeah. And it, they would, you know, incorporate all their tour footage and they would incorporate all these. Yeah. And it, it, and they were huge. They were big. They were they were the reason because they bought into it so effectively. Uh, as the norm goes back then, just 89, 90-ish, uh, we would make mixtapes of stuff that we liked and... So first I want to read you, I'm going to read you a billboard chart from September 3rd, 1989. Okay. First 10 songs. Okay. September 3rd, 1989, you said. September 3rd, 1989. Okay. Hanging Tough, New Kids on the Block. (laughs) Cold Hearted by Paul Abdul. Don't Want to Lose You by Gloria Estefan. I don't remember that song at all. Heaven by Warrant. Right Here Waiting by Richard Marks, everyone's, uh, every couple's song from 1989, Right Here Waiting. Uh, Shower Me With Your Love by Surface. I don't know that I could tell you anything about that song at all. I don't, doesn't sound familiar. Uh, Girl, I'm Gonna Miss You by Millie Vanilli. Ooh. Uh, Angel Eyes by the Jeff Healy Band. Okay. That was popular because of Roadhouse. That would make sense. Uh, If I could, if I could turn back home. By Cher and 18 in Life by Skid Row. It's another one. Another fantastic band. That's the top 10. So there are two specifically hair metal songs in that top 10. And then there was another one more in the top 25. It was uh, Once Bitten, Twice Shy by Great White. Okay. Right. So, so that's the list. So I have upstairs in my office this giant tub of cassettes that I've held on to forever. A couple hundred cassette tapes. Wow. Right. So in there, I have all these mixed mixtapes that I made from like 1986 to 1995. And I came across this one. Oh, my gosh. He's actually got tape cassette inserts from August of 1989 that I'm prepared to read to you now. It's all Paula Abdul, isn't it? And behold, because I was so cool, the bitchin' tape. Ooh. And there are similarities. So Lady Red Light by Great White. Fantastic song. 17 by Winger. Slip of the Tongue by House of Lords. Say Gene Simmons signed band. Yeah. Source of Infection by Van Halen. Black and Blue by Van Halen. Hungry by Winger. Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. I don't know how that slipped on there. Huh. Still the Night by Whitesnake. Uh, you Really Got Me by Van Halen. Funny Vibe by Living Color. Also strange. Yeah. Let It Roll by Little Feet. That's my brother's influence. <laughs> Angel Eyes by Jeff Healy. There it is. See the Light by Jeff Healy. Uh, Skin Tight by Ted Nugent. Spread Your Wings by Ted Nugent. And Let the Music Do the Talking by Aerosmith. Right? So there we have 
a, a very specific time capsule of 1989. So hair metal, they're kind of still hanging in. Yeah. Right. Fast forward a little bit to the September 3rd, 1991. Two years. Billboard chart, right? Everything I Do by Brian Adams. Promise of a New Day. Paul Abdul. She's always there. Right. Motown Philly by Boys to Men. Things That Make You Go, hmm. Mm. CNC Music Factory. 3 A.M. Eternal by KLF. Uh, I Adore Me Amore by Color Me Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy by Seal. Winds of Change by Scorpions. Hair metal band, but an outlier because the only reason that was popular is because of the Gulf War. Ah. Um, Time, Love, and Tenderness by Michael Bolton. I don't know why. <laughs> that no-talent ass clown. Exactly. I Can't Wait Another Minute by High Five. And there was one more in the top 25 by Firehouse, Love of a Lifetime. So that's it. Hmm. So in this two-year span, I have right here, 1991. Another tape insert. Summer of 1991. And see where this was headed. Dreamline by Rush. Rhythm of Love by Yes. All I Want by Toad the Wet Sprocket. She Talks to Angels by Black Crows. Blood and Roses by Smithereens. Better or Worse by Liquid Jesus. We'll Be Together by Sting. Terminal Frost by Pink Floyd. Been Caught Stealing by Jane's Addiction. Red Hill Mining Town by U2. Fall on Me by King's X. Breaking the Silence by Queensryche. You and Me by Indigo Girls. Festival de Remo by Dave Weckl, who's the drummer for Chick Corea. <laughs> Stone in My Shoe by Animal Logic. And Change by Fishbone. Mm. There's a, a sea change here. Oh, by the way, this one was called, because I was so much more grown up, uh, this was referred to as uh, the Z-Mix. Because I have two Zs in my last name. Uh-huh. And I'm cool like that. I thought maybe you were going to say you had grown up, so that was called Bitch In. <laughs> so I think the interesting thing is to uh, to track where music was headed and where I was concurrently to see if there's uh, growth or change or any sort of adultiness to what we're listening to. And clearly there's some change. But music had been changing for a number of years, for a couple of years by then. A lot of people point to the release of Nevermind, yeah. Nirvana's Nevermind, as when hair metal died but it had been diseased and dying for years. It definitely, it, it, it bloated itself out of existence. It bloated up yeah. and then imploded. Take a band like Queensryche, for instance. Queensryche was firmly in the hair metal genre somewhere around 1985-ish with a, a record called Rage for Order. And it was right in there. They, their, teased, their hair is teased out on the cover, you know, big hair. And then they release an album to it two years later called Operation Mindcrime, mm-hmm. which changes everything as far as the landscape for them is concerned. This is a high concept record. There's really no, it's not a lust record. It's not a song about sex. It's a song about a guy that gets brainwashed to kill people for a revolution, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one of my favorite records of all time. But it totally, they had shifted already into a, a different, like a different sound and a different point of view than what they were originally singing about. 1990, they released Silent Lucidity, which opened the doors for them, but people are like, oh, this isn't hair metal. This is totally different. This is strange. So all these other bands like Skid Row, 
which always seemed to be kind of on the outskirts or kind of kind of skirting the line of hair metal. They have elements of hair metal, but they're definitely more of a grungier version of that, maybe closer to like hard rock. Right. They released a, an album called Slave to the Grind in 91, yeah. which totally different than what uh, Youth Gone Wild and 18 in Life had sounded like. It's a, So the Chili Peppers are on the rise. Red Hot Chili Peppers are, are rising up. They had refined uh, kind of their funk sound for years and were starting to peel away from it and go more a poppy route. They Their 89 record, Mother's Milk, was kind of splitting hairs. Like a half and half. Exactly. Which I think is a great record. And then Blood Sugar Sex Magic came out in 1991 where Flea had made the conscious decision to not slap it a bass anymore. <laughs> he wasn't going to play slap bass anymore. He played straight and all of a sudden they're totally popular. Totally different sound. Completely different. So they were start. There were also uh, uh, crossover bands that were crossover attempts that were starting to gain some traction. Stuff like Public Enemy and Anthrax with I'm the Man, gaining huge followings around those summer times. And the Beastie Boys are rising. Mm -hmm. Also, hair metal bands are trying to modify their sound, releasing a little grungier, dirtier sound. Well, I think that was, that was about survival for them. The music industry knew by that point, okay, we're... You know, hair metal is going away. It's dying. That sound is gone. What's going to be next? Mm -hmm. And that sort of the grunge sound and the alternative sound were what we're going to be next. My question has always been, were they next because they supplanted metal? They came in and were, you know, better than and people actively went looking for that? Or was it because metal was imploding in on itself, was it gotten too big and too decadent and it was just collapsing on itself and grunge and alternative rock happened to be there to fill that void. Was it better? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, hindsight, do we look at it back and go, is it, is it better music? It was certainly, so yeah, that was my question. Like wh what was it exactly that tipped the scales? So Coming out of the '80s, you know, the we've we've seen Wall Street. It's the '80s was the the decade of excess. Greed is good, right? Big, big, big. Everything's big. And what was the world more angry, angsty that we were more accepting of this stripped down, garagey? I'm not going to talk about the women. I'm going to talk about, you know, how angry I am about everything yeah. because we're certainly this. This is all happening. Uh, in lockstep with the first Gulf War. Yeah. And people are pissed. People are mad about this stuff. And it's, it's reflected in certainly the rock music element. Again, you look at those charts and you're like, there's pop garbage on there. Yeah. Not necessarily reflecting what the musical, like the rock musical aspect of it is. It, it is to some degree you have a couple of outliers but the the pop Paul Abdul's on both freaking charts. Yeah, and like, what is is the chart a, a necessary reflection of what's actually happening? You know, a band like Jane's Addiction, who was completely raw and just in your face and did whatever they wanted. When Ritual came out in 1990, which would be end up being their best record, 
It actually became their most popular record. I don't think it's their best record. Mm -hmm. That was uh, nothing shocking a couple of years before because it was so different. And you, you almost felt like you were in an exclusive club when you were listening to that stuff, which is what a lot of people would feel like when they first listened to Nevermind. Like, I'm listening to something and you don't get it. Yeah. You don't get it. You don't get to listen to what I'm listening. You just don't get it. And then everybody got it. And the people that had got it earlier disassociated themselves with it. It's uh, it was it's the same stuff that uh, hipsters do now. Yeah. Like you've probably never heard of them. <laughs> uh, it's Pearl Jam. Yeah, you I, haven't heard of them. I, actually, actually, they're on the radio all the time. Oh, uh, really? Well, I don't listen to them anymore. They're way too popular. <laughs> I actually saw them warm up for uh, Smashing Pumpkins before you know, 10 even released. Well, you know, it was years ago. <laughs> so so what? what is the context? Like, was it just a natural fade out? Because it seemed like a quicker fade out than, say, Arena Rock lasted yeah. for 10, 15 years. And then it just had a natural decline into... And this this felt like almost overnight. It yeah, was just... It felt really dumb. quick. To me, I can... Because people are going to look for like a... You know, you look for a date. Yeah. Or you look for a, a, a pinpoint. When did this happen? And this is my point of view. Feel free to disagree with me, everybody, including Kyle and everybody. <laughs> text... Uh, don't text in. Uh, email. Please. Send your angry responses to me. Um, I believe January 29th, 1990. Ooh, very specific. Is when Hair Metal died. And that was the release of The Real Thing by Faith No More. Ooh. Because that record changed a lot for music. So Epic, when Epic was released, mm -hmm. the first popular rap metal crossover that changed everything. You had a you had a guy that was pretty much and Anthony Kiedis is is accused him of stealing his style, which is really accurate. <laughs> he pretty much did a direct lift of what the Chili Peppers are like. But they were able to successfully marry at the sound of a of a guy rapping with metal. And what the Chili Peppers weren't able to do up until this point was make it a hit, was to make it popular. And the ascent of that song through that summer of 1990, I believe, was the downfall of that accelerated the metal downfall. Bands like Nelson, Bad English, uh, Damn Yankees. All of a sudden, six months before that, they were rising up. Bam, they were in the crapper hmm. that summer. And the only thing that we wanted to listen to, and again, this is, this is my opinion, but it's microcosm of the musical world. That's the only thing we wanted to listen to was this record. Because it had taken the Red Hot Chili Peppers formula added Black Sabbath, added slap bass, added all these elements into one kind of mishmash, and it was exactly what we were looking for. Huh. So that's my, uh, that's my take on it. Interesting. I, my opinion was, you know, when you said you wanted to talk about the night that hair metal died, I don't know that you can actually define it that well because of all the reasons that we've been talking about. You know, that it's, it happened quickly, but it's still not. Oh, it was quickly, a two-year process. Yeah. But but this was, the uh, to me, this was the death knell. Yeah. This was... I don't know that you can define, like, you know, it's like we said earlier. So many people say, you know, when Nevermind came out, that was the moment when it was just like the, the sea change happened and everybody mm -hmm. was listening to grunge now. I don't think so. I think it was this this kind of 
process that happened. And I, I don't, um, I wish see, Faith No More is not a grunge band. Yeah. So, but they were, I, I feel like they turned the tide so that away from hair metal. Okay. That made it more accessible to listen to it's these other styles that were kind of taking hold hmm. at that particular time, especially around that time. Like if you listen to that record, the real thing, there's a, there's songs on there. There's a song on there called Zombie Eaters that if you listen to it, you swear you're listening to the first 45 seconds of Unforgiven, which would come out in 1991 by Metallica. Yeah. When Metallica softened their approach, became more poppy. So you have this element. You have this element of of metal in there, called a song called Surprise You're Dead, which is just overtly like Sabbath. They have a cover of War Pigs on there by Black Sabbath. Hmm. All these different parts. This to me, this was the record that changed music. It opened everybody up. It, so they could say made it more hey, you know accessible. Let's, let's try finding something else because, instead of the same stuff we've been listening to. Okay. Because back then we weren't back then we, there wasn't a lot of single buying. Yeah. People weren't buying singles. So they were bought so everyone loved the song Epic. It got up to number five on the charts. And so people were buying the record. You would assume they're listening to more than just one song. Yeah. And people's musical tastes started to shift away from very clean, predictable rock and roll like that. Basically pop rock and roll. Yeah. And it, and it changed into a more grittier version, which I think opened the door for the Seattle sound for Alice in Chains and these bands to, to slide right in. And continue to expand on what they were doing to a lesser degree, more pigeonholed, where you took one sound and you just ran with that. They weren't as w well-versed or as widely. It wasn't such a wide brushstroke. So I searched all over for this quote. There's another podcast called uh, Jonah Radio, mm -hmm. which if you're interested in uh, punk music at all, it's a fantastic listen. It's been on the air for quite a while. It's hosted by Jonah Ray, the comedian. Not to plug another podcast on our podcast for I free. But you know what? You. I did it anyways. I dare you. One of the early episodes, and I, I tried to find it, but I just didn't have time to re-listen to the first 10 whole episodes at, you know, two hours a piece. I forget who it was that was on the podcast, but they start talking about how grunge and the alternative rock sound of the early 90s was to hair metal what punk rock was in the early eighties to like rock and prog rock in the seventies. My question is, how do you feel about that? Do you think that that really is? Do you think that that was a, cause really what punk in my opinion was, there were all these musicians, musicians saying, you know, rock and roll has gotten to be too big. It's too pop. It's too, you know, corporate corporate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's fight against that. Let's go back. And cause if you really break punk music down it sounds a lot at its base like rock did in the 50s you mm -hmm. know what i mean it, it has that same kind of a vibe and that same kind of a it's sound simple to it. it's just louder exactly yeah and my question is do you think that the sounds that came in the early 90s whether it's grunge or alt or whatever do you think that they were a, a direct response to the hair metal stuff saying this is too big it's too decadent it's too over the top let's simplify it let's go back to the music and you know, I try think to, to play that. some degree, I would say to some degree, because I know that I know people have said that about about Nirvana. Yeah, that 
Nirvana was rebelling against that corporate entity. Like, it's too big. Let's strip it down. I don't know that I'd want to give that that much credit and say that, that that's what he was after. Yeah. Um, that could certainly be the end result. But as far as, like, are you trying to break molds? Because it's still, I mean, your record was still produced by Butch Vig. Yeah. I mean, it still sounds great. It isn't like the Sex Pistols in a garage. Yeah. It's still mixed well. It sounds, it's sonically great. So were you just writing some just shorter songs, just simpler songs? I don't know, is, is enough of a rebellion against what was happening. I think just the sound choices were different. I think the, the selections were just different. Okay. But I, I believe that it's tough to it be tough to narrow it down and say that. Especially when you, you think that what are the big grunge bands, you know, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Pearl, Pearl Jam. Jam. I would say out of any of those four, I would take Soundgarden above all the others about taking chances mm-hmm. and kind of blowing the box open because none of those bands are the Buzzcocks. None of those bands are, are the Sex Pistols. None of, I mean, none of them are the Clash. It's yeah. just, it's hard to say those bands were taking chances. They were rebelling, but Alice in Chains and I mean, what were they standing up against? It just, it just doesn't, it didn't feel like a rebellion. It didn't feel like a movement to me as much as just a sea change in the way things sounded. Interesting. That's where I, that's where I'm at. That's where I land with that. Hmm. So we were talking about uh billboard, you know, yeah. top, top 10. And I was just thinking about what uh, a Daniel Victor had said, who's on our most recent episode that you will be listening to after this. <laughs> um, about the current state of music and how he can't find anything that he'd want to listen to yeah. now and how kind of lousy it all is. So uh, I'm while I was doing the research, I'm like, well, let me go listen. Let me go like look at the top 10 songs on the Billboard right now. Oh, boy. And see if you recognize any of them, because I did not. Um, the number one song right now is so- Someone You Loved by Louis Capaldi. You got any clue? No clue. Truth Hurts by Lizzo. I'm familiar with Lizzo just because I've heard that name in the news a bunch. Hmm. I have no idea what that song's about. Yeah, nothing. Uh, Senorita by Shawn Mendes and Camille Cabello. That sounds he familiar apparently to likes me. that song. I probably have heard that on like a top 10 countdown or something. Circles by Post Malone. Nope. No Guidance by Chris Brown featuring Drake. Did he let Drake yell on his record? Uh, probably. But I've, I've never heard that song. So. Uh, Panini by Lil Nas X. I don't know. Is he writing about a sandwich? I'm going to say yes. The Panini? No, he's not? No. no oh, okay. All right. Producer Randy is much more hip than Matthew. Clearly, because I don't know. Uh, Highest in the Room by Travis Scott. Again, nothing. Ransom by Lil Tecca. Nope. Never he heard of it. I not like that one either. Uh, Billie Eilish, uh, Bad Guy. I do, heard of that one. I do know that one. And 10,000 Hours by Duh. Dan plus Shay and Justin Bieber. Oh, apparently. Bieber. That's a good one, according to the, got Pro- the thumbs up. Producer Randy likes that one. So, another conversation. We have this conversation. Am I just out of the loop and old? Because I just don't get, like, if I go back and look at the 10 songs from 1989, 91, I know eight out of 10 of those. And I did yeah. not listen to popular radio any more than I listen to it now. And 
is it a prevalence uh, or is it hindsight of, of me being able to say, well, that song came out 30 years ago, so I probably have listened to it by now. So maybe that's my familiarity with it. So in 30 years from now, will I know what Circles by Post Malone is? Maybe. I don't know. Like, that's such a tough question because that really is kind of the everlasting music question. You know, you have a a developmental time period where you, you latch on to a whole bunch of music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? From basically from when you are in your preteen years until you're in maybe, well, let's say 30. So there's like an 18 year window, right? Where mm-hmm. you can latch on to music and that's your music. And you will listen to that forever and always have memories associated with that. And, and that time in your life is associated with that. And, you know, all those memories from middle school and high school and college and, you know, whatever the first date that you went on and the first time you kissed somebody and, you know, all that will be associated with some music. And then I, I think that part of it is just that, you know, you, you don't, you stop associating that way because it's no longer your first kiss. It's your 5,000th kiss. It's your no longer your first date. It's your 100th date. It's no longer, you know, your first day of school or your first day of on, on the job or your first day in college or whatever. By that description, then I should remember every song around the birth of my first son. And true. I, and I don't. Hmm. I mean, I have some familiarity because he and I would listen to music. So I remember it now, but it's not like it's a, it's like a memory burn, like very specific into that. So it, it should be, but, but it's it isn't. Not. Huh. Or the, your first, your first house or the, your first time you move or the yeah. first, like you would think. Uh, and I, and I know, you know, the, the formative years is a, a term. Um, yeah. I know very, I know very well that 89, say 88 to 91, uh, music was omnipresent in my life. I listened to it everywhere. I listened, I was playing in multiple bands. I was in the bands at school. I listened to it at home. When I did my homework, I had my headphones on when I was in the basement, you know, playing or doing whatever music was on. If it, it was on, on my parents' stereo on eight track, it, there was always music on no matter what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Is it then because it isn't as prevalent because I don't have the time to devote to it now like I did before and where every task was surrounded by music? And I, I see people like this all the time that are constantly have their AirPods in or whatever, whether they're walking somewhere, they, they are always listening to music. And I'm like, is that, am I out of the loop? Because you're not because constantly of listening. that. And, and I don't listen. Like, obviously, there's a thousand choices on the radio now. Or in your car. I can listen to whatever I want to listen to before, you know, especially if I was driving with my mom or dad, you know, we had AM, we had FM. Yeah. There, that was, And you can move up and down the dial, but you're probably going to land on something you recognize. Yeah. And now you have unlimited choices, which, you know, I don't, I, I choose to listen to stuff that like, I want to listen to a, a new band. I want to listen to this. I don't go. I'm going to listen to 99.5 and just listen to popular music. So is that a failing on my part? Me not understanding? Or is it that the music is just piss poor now? Because <laughs> I'm trying to get my head around, you know, I because everyone's like, this song is so great. Old Town Road or whatever is just, you know, was popular for 18 weeks or not on the chart for 18 weeks. And I finally listened to it. and I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I don't I don't understand what the appeal is. 
So am I missing it because I'm out of that loop? I don't know how to answer that, to be honest with you. Well, damn it. I'm sorry. I know I don't have, I any, depending I don't on have you, any answers. It's depending on you to answer that. It's a, it's a complicated... Does anybody out there want to answer that? Please. Because I don't know. <laughs> because you're trying to wrap your arms around it and say, well, is, is, is the music scene passing me by? Am I just too old to appreciate what's popular now? And my sons would all say yes, but, <laughs> but I don't think that's the case. If that were the case, then I would have stopped listening. Like I would never listen to anything that was released post 90, 1993. Yeah. Because that's where, that's kind of where I ended up. So I should never listen to anything post 93 because I should only listen to the stuff that I love. Well, then I do love stuff after that, but that, that was like the high watermark. I wonder if please theorize this is going to get, I don't quite know how to describe this. So I'm going to try really hard here. Um, so the reason, one of the reasons why hair metal became so big and towards the end, so bloated was because the music industry figured out the formula for it. So they could say, look, we have to put four or five guys up on stage playing their instruments. They have to be wearing clothes that look like this. They have to have hair that looks like this. They have to have songs that look like this. There has to be a ballad in the middle of there that the women will all swoon for. Mm -hmm. They all have to talk about sex, drugs, rock and roll, you know, A, B, C, D, E. They had to figure all of this formula out. Mm -hmm. And then it got so, it became so profitable for them to do that, that they were literally just churning out bands. I mean, think about how many hair metal bands there are that nobody's even that nobody even remembers anymore. Tons. Uh, hundreds. Mm -hmm. And then it, you know, blew up and imploded. I wonder if that same thing has happened now, but they have, instead of form, instead of the formula only working for one genre, if the formula is just for pop music in general, mm -hmm. if they have said, look, it doesn't matter what you, you want to play, you know, uh, country dubstep, you want to do country, you want to do, you know, hip hop, you want to do whatever, here's the formula for that genre, mm. follow this formula and make it. And because of that, we're not getting anything different. It sounds different to the ear at the beginning, but it really is exactly the same exactly thing over and over same. and over and over again. Songs are almost the same length. Yeah. Like, and I'm that's, not, I'm, that's part of the formula. I'm not a country person at all. However, when uh, my wife turns on country in the car, it's unrecognizable as country for the first 30 seconds. It has a thick backbeat, like, like a processed drum set. And I'm like, this is country. It doesn't make sense because it sounds like every other song. This is not what Garth Brooks sounds like. This is not what Alan Jackson sounds like for, from the night. This is not what Shania sounded like. This, this is not what it sounded like, but it, that's what it sounds like now. It has this thickness to it, but I think you're right. I think they, there's a formula for popularity. And again, Daniel touch on that yeah. about how to package it and produce it and get it out there one right after the other. And that's, see, that's just the discouraging part about trying to listen to music and trying to be relevant and trying to say, listen, I want, I want to appreciate that there are good musicians out there still but they're getting shit on by how this is all being produced and released. Yeah. I don't know how we spun out of hair metal to this, but this is just kind of, I think this is a up. good wrap up for the hair metal thing though, because it's uh, I think it, uh, I think hair metal was kind of the first 
you know, it was the first generation to grow up with some type of other media tie-in, you know, like, like I was saying earlier, every hair metal band had to have a music video and every music video promoted a hair metal band. That was just how it worked. And I think that that's what we've become today is bands have to, you know, part of that same formula is they have to promote themselves on social media. They have to promote themselves on, uh, you know, every form of media, television, radio, uh, you know, MTV doesn't really exist the way that it used to anymore, no, but it does not, you know, they have to do promotional tie-ins and, you know, the lead singer is going to be on dancing with the stars next season. Oh, mm. <laughs> you know what? I got a, I got a good way to tie this up. That was here. a fart noise. There was a fart noise. Do you? Yeah. I got a good way to tie this up. Good. Here. So D Snyder from twisted sister. I'm familiar. Is one of my favorite people of all time. If yeah. you ever want to see something amazing, uh, Go back and watch, uh, I want to say it was from 1987 or 88, when he went in front of Congress Mm -hmm. uh, to talk about the the MPAA's... Censorship? uh, I'm sorry, the The RIAA's uh, censorship and the... PMRC? PMRC, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't the Recording Industries Association of America at the time. Uh, Maybe it was. I don't know, to be honest with you. But anyways, it's awesome because he comes out, and if you know what D. Schneider looks like, he has this big hair, and he's got these ripped up jeans, and he's just wearing like a white t-shirt... And he stands up in front of Congress and, you know, you can see all these Congress people just kind of sneering at him. And he pulls his notes out of his pocket and it's just this wrinkled piece of paper and he flattens it out. And then it's one of the most elegantly well-written speeches I've ever heard in my life. Mm -hmm. And it blew everyone in Congress away. You can see it on their faces in the video from C-SPAN. They're just like, who is this guy? And, you know, he's actually incredibly intelligent. And, you know, he's very smart. He's very well-spoken. He's, you know, reads all the time and, and he's a great person mm-hmm. to boot. So, and he's, has straight up said after that, he's like, that was all an act. I wanted them to think I was the burnout kid from the back row in high school. Of course. I wanted them to associate me with that all the way up until the moment I started to speak. And then they had to listen to me mm-hmm. because they were expecting me to sound like an idiot. And I sounded great. Anyways, great quote from him about kind of the end of hair metal. This is from, uh, heavy the story of metal Mm. where he was interviewed and i'll put a link in the show notes for this but uh uh, he said towards the end it got so processed and so refined that it became a problem uh and then it got even worse because then it was it was hey uh, i got an idea let's unplug thanks tesla uh what's metal about that (laughs) so now all the metal bands are playing acoustic patience extreme mr big Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> uh, and there had been like this whole unspoken thing on MTV. Like, if you can't unplug, you're not really a music a musician. Uh, you know what? Go see Tracy Chapman or Paul Simon plug into two um, giant Marshall stacks and then ride the lightning. Mm, nice. Yeah. thought that was a pretty good quote. And I feel like it kind of sums up, you know, the whole that was the reason you know, towards the end, that's really what everybody was doing is they were trying to unplug and they were trying to. Let's get down to basics here. We're going to, we're going to slow it down right now. We're going to slow it down. Mother what? I'm going to bring my acoustic guitar out. It's only got four strings, but it's still pretty cool. Oh boy. Hold on. Blink, 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 blink. I got a tune. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. I'm going to put my sweater on. Going to get a carpet on this uh, stage and really warm up the room. If you know what I mean. <laughs> Screw you, unplugged. 
Uh, on a side note, some the sweater that uh, Kurt Cobain was wearing on that episode of Unplugged mm-hmm. sold for like three hundred and forty-four thousand dollars. Good lord! It's a mohair sweater. It's now the most expensive <laughs> mohair sweater in the world. Are you kidding me? But he but he played a all apologies in it. So. I don't, I don't care. Uh, anyway. Collectibles are awesome. Please, please contact us. Yes. And tell us when, when you think it died or what, what, or uh, I know I have a couple of friends out there that are going to be like, I can't believe you ripped on hair metal, you ass. <laughs> I still love it. I still listen to Hair Nation every day. I do. That's why I post, <laughs> I post pictures of my radio station in my car, me listening to Slaughter or firehouse every day like well, i'm sorry to offend you but it you know it's time has waned i tried listening to the uh i made i i made a version of the uh the bitchin tape Ooh. uh through uh spotify and i tried go? to listen to it on the way to work the other day <laughs> <laughs> and i was so ashamed <laughs> Not because the songs are bad, but because I knew every freaking word <laughs> still to every one of these songs. And I'm driving around, Lady Red Light. I'm like, oh, my God, what is wrong with me? <laughs> like, I can't. Ugh. I just I felt I felt dirty. I'm like, I got to get I got to listen to David Bowie. He's, you know, clean myself up. I gotta listen to something avant-garde. Hold on, can't listen to this shit anymore. But please, oh, that's amazing. Send us your comments. Do please, all of them. Hopefully, uh, you'll have some words for us. Um, uh, info at audiojudo.com if you want to email us. Yes, uh, which is probably the best way to get a hold of us. Yeah, or Twitter, or or the gram. Yes, both are uh, at Audio Judo. Yep. Uh, facebook.com forward slash audio judo we're all over social media our next uh, episode will be our special holiday episode Ooh. where we'll discuss not only our favorite holiday music but our least favorite as well oh yeah and there will be some uh be some classics some and hopefully some stuff you haven't heard and probably some eggnog there will definitely be eggnog mm-hmm. we gotta get some eggnog oh we'll get some eggnog for that you think uh, Lagunitas makes an eggnog? A delicious Lagunitas eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, that's all we got on hair metal for now. I'm sure we will revisit hair oh, metal, yeah. uh, maybe one specific record or uh, or several uh, or several records. Let's be real here. We're going to cover several hair metal records. I hope so. I hope so because some of them deserve to be covered. Oh yeah, there's some great ones. But get a hold of us. Uh, other than that, I have a great couple of weeks. And we will talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.